welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, church, before we start our three-part series on finances and stewardship, I want to give one challenge, and then I want to give uh, one update. And uh, the challenge is actually very serious. Uh, If you're not aware, um, in Minnesota, where our campuses are, our physical campuses are, we know online, you're watching all around the world, but we're based out of Minnesota, so what happens here affects us quite heavily. Uh, Minnesota was the first state uh, since uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned to actually make a law um, for abortion. There were other states that made laws restricting abortion immediately, but Minnesota became the first state to make a law for abortion, making it easier, making it more accessible, um, allowing it all the way up until the moment of birth, uh, making it way beyond uh, a viability test or anything like that, or even finding any compromise or any middle ground or even any debate. It was just squelched by our legislation and uh, also our governor, and our governor has bragged, Governor Walls has bragged, he is the most pro-abortion governor in America, and he's lived up to that. Um, even the, He even said the party said, like, tone it down. He said, I will not tone it down. Uh, nobody is more pro-abortion than him, that's what he was saying. Um, so now what do we do now? The law has been passed, and it feels like we're living as exiles in, in this land, and we're foreigners in our own land. Um, but I, I want to let you know that it's not done, all right? We're like, a law is there, but that doesn't mean we can't still preach the truth. That doesn't mean we can't live the truth. And so I want to give some opportunities for the church. First of all, churches and families need to step in and provide for mothers and babies that are there. And we're going to say, we're going to step in and provide for them. <laughs> Secondly, we're going to mentor men to be responsible and step up to their obligation and their responsibility. Uh, We're going to pray. We're going to continue to pray over this. We are going to support pro-life work. If you know that on the weekend that Roe v. Wade was overturned, I said, let's put our money where our mouth is. And we actually raised $100,000 on that weekend for uh, pro-life ministries and to be able to do that. And we're going to give, we're going to serve, we're going to educate, we're going to be active in politics. And not that the church is about politics, but we're allowed to be active. In America, we are a we the people country. And we're allowed to be active. Don't let the world say the church can't be part of it. We get a seat at the table just like everybody else. So that's what we're going to do. And uh, I also want you to know that there's other legislation that's coming up that our state is considering. And uh, I just want you to be praying about this and active as well. House File 146, uh, they are uh, debating right now whether Minnesota will become a trans refuge state, okay? And uh, stating that we would not... Uh, allow parents to block their child, that even people could come in from other states uh, and they would say like, you, you could come in from another state and have any surgery that would want to, you would want uh, to have done. And I want you to know that as a church, we are opposed to uh, children being chemically castrated and uh, bodily mutilated. Um, we are opposed to that. And we think that children are children, and although they may have thoughts in their mind, they should have to wait on those decisions. And so we would oppose that legislation. And so I'm praying that you would pray about yeah, and stand up. We want to protect the kids. 
I mean, Minnesota, Minnesota used to be liberal and kind of moderate, uh, but currently Minnesota is becoming extreme and running full speed ahead. And uh, I, I feel like it's not one state, it's really one party that's just taking it in one direction. And uh, I am just praying that God will help us to rise up and be the salt and light that he's called us to be. And I know the world uh, wants you to silence and be quiet and shut up and cancel culture. And I got to tell you, even the pressure that's there, and I'm even going to declare it. I've been declaring a lot of things in the sermons, and my staff's like, all right, now what's he going to do? All right. But I'm just going to declare, I'm going to talk about the hot topics and the things that uh, the world says you can't talk about. I'm going to talk about it. And I want to do it in a winsome way and in a loving way, but I want people to understand, like, we're not going to be silent. This is in our book. This is a matter of morality. It's not taxes. It's not treaties. It's actually culture. It's actually spiritual life. And we're not going to be silent on this. And I know that it may bring protests. I remember back when I did a series years ago, Too Many Shades of Grey is what I called it. And um, I talked about that we were for a traditional marriage. I know that people protested, and, but I, I just, we have to say what we believe. And the moment we just stop saying what we believe and we cower in the, the corner, you know, we've, we've started to die internally. And uh, I'd rather say what I believe in a winsome, loving way, but not be just silenced and marginalized out of the conversation that's going on. So I commit to doing that, knowing what that means, and... Uh, you know, uh, standing up for what is right. So I want to pray. I want to pray. That's my challenge for our church to live up and be the salt and the light that he's called us to be. Uh, We don't hate anyone. We don't hate anybody. We love people enough to tell them the truth and what we see in God's word and the way we want to live this out. So Lord, I pray that we'd live up to this challenge. We'd be bold. Um, The righteous are as bold as a lion. That's what Proverbs says. And so we're going to be bold, but we're also going to speak the truth in love And we're going to try to be winsome in this and be able to say what we believe. So God, we pray right now that even though the law has said people can uh, abort up to the moment of birth, we are going to be there loving people saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to make that choice. You can choose life. And we're going to do all that we can within the the possibility of all that we can do to to save lives. And God, we're also going to uh, be active with our legislators and let them know that we, we don't see it the same way they do. And we're praying that they would lead the state and not just a group and that they would do that. So God, help us to stand up for children that are, have confusion and are, are wondering what to do and who they are and how they're made. But God, we will stand up for them. We say we don't want to have the chemical castration or let them mutilate their body. And so we're standing with those children. So God, Help us to have the boldness. And I know that even as I pray this, I'm sure there's people that are nervous. I pray that they'd be bold. I pray they'd be strong. I pray they'd know what they believe. Instead of just reading stories in the Bible and seeing the boldness there, they'd live out the boldness in their own life and live for the smile of God. If we wanted to please man, we wouldn't be pleasing you, but we want to please you. And so we want to live for your well done. Help us to do that and have the boldness to do that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, 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 amen. Now, that's our challenge now. Um, The announcement, this is way uh, more filled with joy, the announcement, all right. Uh, Becca and I just uh, are now, we have new titles. We get to be Grandma and Grandpa, and uh, yeah. 
We, I think we have a picture of me holding Beckham Robert, who was born this last week. Yep, we got a picture. If you can't see that smile ear to ear, uh, but he's, Connor and Alexia had uh, our first grandchild, and we're thrilled. And I said, Grandma and Grandpa, and Becca, you know, she's, how many of you, you got to decide what name you're going to do? And she's like, well, I, I, I just need a cool name. Like, and so she wants to be called Lolly, and she wants me to be Pops, so it's Lollipops. So that's our, <laughs> our name there. So if it sticks, it goes. But how many know whatever, they, whatever he calls us, we're going with. But, uh, and I promise not to be the... Uh, grandpa that shows pictures every week in the sermon, okay, or, or the pops that does that, but I make no promises for Becca. She is obsessed. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, we're jumping into this three-part series on finances, which culminates in Dave Ramsey actually coming to River Valley Church on February 18th and 19th. We're going to bring him in the coldest part of the year. All right. <laughs> And uh, if you don't know, Ramsey, Dave Ramsey does a show. He has books. He has curriculum. Many of you have found uh, f- uh, freedom in your finances, and it's changed the trajectory of your life because you're no longer living under the debt, but you're able to tell the money where it goes and live in a whole new level of freedom. So you're going to want to be here for that week. And of course, Ramsey Plus, whether you're here for the week that Dave is here, or you're watching him at one of your campuses and you're watching online. Uh, Ramsey Plus, uh, it's not free. We actually pay for this. We actually pay for this in the thousands of dollars for everyone to do this in the church. We get a discount in doing this, but it costs thousands of dollars for us to do this. We want you to take advantage of this. Please do this. And uh, and if you're wondering, like, will it make a difference? It will make a difference. People pay off hundreds of thousands worth of debt. They get free. They get debt-free. We've had two people from our church go on his show and do the debt-free scream, like, we're debt-free. I mean, there's something about living this way, and we, we need this. I mean, right now, uh, January 31st uh, this year, uh, the Daily Mail had an article. It says, 8 million Americans are make, that are making more than 100000 a year, 8 million Americans making more than 100000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck making over $100,000 a year. Think about that. In 10 years, you'd make a million dollars and you're living paycheck to paycheck. And they join about two-thirds of Americans right now, two-thirds of Americans living in one of the most prosperous nations to ever exist in all of of history. Two-thirds of them are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, if you can sign up for Ramsey Plus, you can text the word Ramsey to 94,000. I mean, you could get out of that situation of living paycheck to paycheck, learning how to have an emergency fund, learning how to be above it and, and handle the finances. So please take advantage of that and realize this series is hitting home where people live. Now, this series is annual. I loved uh, last year's. I loved last year so much. And uh, everybody said, you're going to do the fruit and vegetable uh, table again? I'm not, but I want to show that picture. If you can see that picture of the, the fruits and vegetables. Yeah, if you remember, I was teaching tithing and talking about the fruits and vegetables. And I want to let you know, churches are copying that all around America. But that was a fun series. If you want more than what I'm teaching today and, and the next week, and then, of course, Dave Ramsey, look at last year's series. But it's too important to not talk about money. There's over 2,000 verses that talk about it. And money really is connected to the heart. The heart and money, there's something going on there. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's a heart connection with money. There's something going on here. 
And I've, I've also realized that money is like a temperature check. Like when you look at what people are doing with their money, you're like, all right, I can take your temperature. It's like going to the doctor and we can see how you're handling money and we can get a pretty good grip on your life and where things are at. I, I noticed that when I would do marriage counseling, which I, I don't do anymore, we have staff and other experts that do that. But when I used to do marriage counseling, I, I, it was just like a broken record. People come in like, yeah, we're having problems with our money. And that. I mean, I could predict it. Like it was part of marriage problems that, and so there's something going on with money. It's too important to not be covered in the Bible. And so God has over 2,000 verses and he's ordained um, these institutions of family, government, the church. And he's also ordained like a system of economics, we see in Genesis early on in the Bible, in Genesis chapter eight, he talks about there's gonna be sowing and reaping, that if you sow a seed, you're gonna reap more. And I know that sowing and reaping seems like, oh, oh, push back, wait a minute, is this like word of faith thing? No, it's not that, it's a principle. If we didn't have sowing and reaping and God's economic plan going on, how many know we would all starve to death? That didn't even get an amen. You're like, okay, it worked. Like, we're not farmers. We're so far from the farm. I thought about doing a series, Too Far From the Farm, all right? Like, we're so far from the dirt, we don't even understand it. We're so far from the sacrifice of an animal. Like, we just think burgers are grown on trees. You know, like, yeah, it, there's, we're so far from the dirt. Maybe I'll do that one. So far from the farm, all right. A couple farmers got excited. Not at this campus. All right, all right. Uh, now, to those that don't know Christ, and have little time for God, they, they don't understand. They're like, why would God require like even my life, my free time, stewardship of finances or any imposition on my morality? Like they don't know God. And they're like, but those of us that know God realize like he, he says, this is how I want you to live in purity. This is how I want you to handle your finances. This is how I want you to, to use your time. This is how I want you to steward what's come to you. He's talking to us about those things in our life. And when it comes to money, Americans are really falling behind. We live in uh, really the, the most prosperous nation. Rick Warren says money is both a trust and a test. And in the USA, Christians collectively earn, get this, Christians in America collectively earn $5.2 trillion annually. That's half of the income that the church owns on planet Earth. So imagine all the Christians around the entire globe and American Christians owned half of the wealth that the church owns on planet Earth. Christians give about 2.5% of their money to church. On average, the average family gives $2,224. Only 5% of Christians tithe, and we're going to talk about tithing. That's giving your first tenth, the first tenth of what you make to the work of the Lord. When I was in Cuba years ago, I was talking to them and they said, everyone in our church tithes. I said, everyone, everyone tithes. I said, wait a minute, didn't you tell me they only make $20 a month? These people made 20 US dollars a month total. And he said, everyone, every church I went to, they tithe, they tithe. And they said, well, what happens in America? I said, man, it's like 5% tithe. And they said, please don't come here and teach American giving. Like we're way more generous in our poverty than you are in your wealth. Very convicting. Tithers, though, once somebody starts to tithe, they give 10%, they usually go from there and they give between 11 and 20%. It's like you start to tithe and then you become a kingdom builder because you just are like, I'm gonna go from there and go up from the tithe. 70% of tithers tithe on the gross, not the net. 70% people ask me all the time, like, should I tithe on the gross or on the net? And I'm like, well, do you want gross help or net help? I want gross help, you know. I want gross blessings, you know, and we do. We tithe on the gross. 
Now, this is very concerning. The younger generation, 61% of those under 24 never give anything beyond some money that's in their pockets. That doesn't bode well for the future if 61% of those under 24 never give anything beyond pocket change. So we're starting today with tithing, and we're talking about giving the first tenth of your gross income to the Lord as a tithe. And we practice this as a church, and we say, God, we're going to give 10% to you through your church because we're fueling your mission locally and globally, and then we're going to go up from there. Like I said, 70% of the tithers, they just start at 10, and they go up from there. And we believe that, that we honor God with that first tenth, and then we go up from there. And we see in the Bible, I'm going to go through these things as quick as I can. Um, We see in the Bible that we see giving in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. We don't have the word exactly with tithe, but as I shared last year, there's an implication of there was a weight to Abel's offering that made it acceptable. It doesn't mean for sure it was tithe, but there's an implication that there was a weight to his offering and there was not the weight to Cain's offering. But we do see the word tithe in Genesis 14 with Abraham. Abraham wins a battle. And after this, Melchizedek, a priest shows up, the priest. This priest, Melchizedek, is actually pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to what Jesus will be as the priest for us. And Abraham gives a tithe to the priest. And he says, God has blessed me, and I'm giving this to you to honor God, and I'm giving you a tenth of everything. Genesis 14, verse 19 says this, and he blessed Abraham, saying, blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to the God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. In Genesis 28, we have Jacob offering a tithe. And so we see this before there was ever a law, before there was anything like that going on, people that had their heart touched by God tithe. And then we see all throughout the Old Testament, we see uh, references to the word tithe, tithe, tithe. Numbers 18, 21, I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. Second Chronicles 31, verses four and five, he ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. Nehemiah, the guy that we know for building the wall, okay? So Nehemiah finds out the wall around Jerusalem's tore down, and we know the great story about him building the wall. He also was responsible in that time of saying, we've got a tithe, guys. We've got a tithe. Like, we built the wall, but we've got a tithe. Like, we want the work of God to continue. We want the priests to be praying. We want the singing to happen and the worship to God. We want people that will teach us the truth and keep us from evil and being derailed. We want to fund the work of God and we want to bring back the tithe. And that's what he did. In the book of Malachi, we have uh, the tithe there, which is a, a great verse where the people of God were away from God. And he's like, come back, come back. And I love this verse in Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I mean, God's like, come back and, and tithe. Tithe, I want you to bring back the tithe. You've been taking the tithe. That first 10% belongs to me and I want you to bring that back and do this. And he says, test me. It's the only place he says, test me. 
And what's interesting is the word that is used for testing is like, look at me so close like you would precious metal to see if like, is this really gold and I'm testing it? He's like, look as close as you would examining precious metals or precious jewels. I am gonna come through on this. Test me in this. You take out the magnifying glass and you look at what I'm gonna do. And then the word pour out where he says, I'll pour out blessing on you. Pour out is a a good word, but it kind of seems like he's going to open the the window and then it's just going to just like fall on you. But the word pour out actually implies like taking out the sword and being like, watch out. I'm going to, I'm going to charge. That's how I'm pouring out the blessings on you. It's not like they're leaking out of heaven. I'm calling for the blessings to charge on you, to pour out on you, to, to like, have a battle cry to come onto your life. And so when I look at these verses, I'm like, wow, I'm intrigued by tithe, tithe, tithe. And then I see in the New Testament that Jesus references it just once. And he talks about the religious people and he's like, hey, you're doing all this. As a matter of fact, I'll read it, Matthew 20, 23. He says, woe to you, teach the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of, of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He's like, you're tithing on your spices and you should do that, but you got to do the important things too. He's like, come on, you should do this. The reference of generous giving by Paul is there in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, which I already read. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And so there's all this stuff in here about giving and the early church was like, we're going to tithe. And the early Church fathers were like, let's do this. Let's support the work of the Lord. And it might be new to some people. There's some people that are new in the church and you're super excited. You're, you're super excited. Like, I, I was wondering what they were talking about with this. I wonder, like, I was, I was looking forward to hearing about this and how God could help with my money and how I could honor him. And then there's others that have objections. And I, I know this, I get it every year. Whenever we talk about this, I get pushback from people. And I know there's other people, there's people in fear. There's people that are angry. There's people that leave. There's people that are excited. I mean, we have all of the above. Um, and, and people will say like this, to say like, well, Jesus doesn't say anything about it. Have you ever heard that argument? Jesus doesn't say, and you could use that for all sorts of things. People say, well, Jesus doesn't say anything about this sin. So how could it be that bad if Jesus doesn't say anything about it? All right, that's bad logic. That's bad logic. That's a, a bad understanding of this. Um, let me give you a, a couple of things about Jesus and, and the, whether he says something about a topic or not, okay? We don't know fully what Jesus said about everything because John chapter 21, verse 25 says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would need to be written. All right. So we don't know fully, like if he didn't say, but maybe they didn't record it. But it says, another thing is he doesn't address a lot of issues that are wrong or assumed. Like he doesn't address kidnapping or drug abuse or incest, but those are all wrong. Those are all, it doesn't say anything about them. So you don't say, well, he doesn't say anything about them. So they must be okay. That's, that was terrible logic, terrible logic. It would just be assumed or understood in their culture. And so he's like, I don't need to address that. Another thing about Jesus, many times the things that he's calling out or addressing are things that need to be corrected. So he's like, that's hypocritical. Stop that. 
Or he's calling out when they're, they're making his house, which should be a house of prayer and worship, and they're making it a place where they can make money and where they're ripping off worshipers. And he's like, I'm correcting that. And so many times he addresses those things that need to be corrected. But if they were following God and tithing and do that, he's like, well, I don't need to correct that. All right. Another thing, we, if we don't have the words of Jesus, we just look at the whole Bible. We look at the whole Bible, believing that the Bible is inspired. It's God's word. And so we look all, over, all around there and we look at different things to understand what Jesus would have said. And then Jesus also made it clear that the Holy Spirit would con continue to teach us in John 14, 26. It says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I've said to you. So don't excuse away like not living in God's economic plan by like, wait, didn't, there's not enough. I, yeah, I mean, I want to lean into this. I want to lean into this. And if, if God has, has had people honor him pre-law and in the law and a generous heart, we're going to go at 10% and up from there. I want to lean into this. I, you know, before I met Becca, um, people were like, when you, when you, go to get married, you got to buy a ring for her and, you know, and you, you got to spend this money. I was like, really? Could you do like a cubic zirconia? I mean, that's a lot of money you know, before I met Becca, right? And then when I met her and I fell in love with her, I was like, okay, I don't have much, but what's the best ring I can get? What's the best one? I talked to the jeweler. I said, this is all I have. And he really looked at me. He goes, seriously, dude? I go, I'm in Bible college. You know, he's like, that's all you, I said, he goes, all right, I got a couple of tricks to the trade. I can cut it a little shallower, make it look a little wider on top. All right. He's like, and he's like, I got, do you have any more that you can add to this? I was digging, trying to find everything. And, and it wasn't like, come on, dude. I, what's the cheapest one? I was like, this is what, what's the best you can do? Do you understand? That's the way I want to give to God. You saved me. You loved me. You've forgiven me. You've given me eternity. I want to lean into this. I want to, how much more can I do? So if 10% was the starting point in the Old Testament and we have reference to it, I'm like, if that, I want to start there and go up from there. I want to go up from there and I'm not going to like uh, ease up in the Bible, it talks about giving God a tenth. And if 10% was where he asked them to start, we have no reference point of him ever saying like, hey guys, you know, you've been, it's, I know it's been tough. You've been away from me for a long time. Why don't we start at three and then just next year four and we'll just keep adding a percentage each year. He doesn't do that. He's like 10, 10. And people ask me all the time, like, Pastor Rob, can we just start at three? Can we tie three? No, tie this 10%. It's the first tenth. It's saying, God, it belongs to you. It's holy. Matter of fact, God said it's mine. And he's like, it's holy. It's set apart. And so I'm like, it came from you and I'm giving it back to you. And so my attitude should be like, I'm so glad I could give this back to you. I'm so glad I could return this to you. Cause I have other people like, all right, I'll give 10%. No, you're just returning to God the 10%. People say to me like, well, why does God need my money? You know, he doesn't. He doesn't need your money, okay? But he uses your obedience and money to fuel his mission on this earth. I'll go back to what Martin Luther said about, it's similar. He said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does, okay? God doesn't need your money, but your neighbor does. Your lost neighbor needs a church that will be fueled and on mission. 
God doesn't need your money, but the poor of this earth do as we give and give benevolence out. God doesn't need your money, but the lost that are wondering, where is hope? Where is forgiveness for the sins that I live in and the pain that I'm in? They need it. And so God's like, you can return that and fuel my mission and be on mission for me. And when we do this, we're admitting, God, you're my source. When we tithe, we're admitting, you're my source. Deuteronomy 8, verses 17 through 18, it says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which are sworn to your ancestors as it is today. Like when we, when we give back to God, we're saying, God, you, you're, you're my source. Matter of fact, when I pray over our meal, Wherever we're at, usually I pray this prayer, like, God, thank you for this food, you know, and everything. Like, everything we have comes from you. Not just this food, like, everything we have comes from you, and we're so grateful. And when we tithe, we're saying, God, you're our source. And another thing is, we're declaring that he's our provider. We want to hold on to everything. We're like, God, I trust me with 100% rather than 90. And God's like, no, trust me with the 10% and let me be your provider. Let me do that. I remember um, two years ago when we were doing miracle offering and I shared with the church, like Beck and I were holding out of that money. The economy was tight and we were wondering what was gonna happen. COVID was still going full speed and we had the money to give our, our dream amount and the lie of just in case said, hold on to the money. And that night we went to bed thinking like, maybe we shouldn't give, maybe we should believe the lie of just in case. And we went to bed and the next morning we were like, we can't do it, we can't do it. God's going to provide for us. There's more where this came from. And I'm not talking about tithe there. I'm talking about over and above because the tithe has never been debated in our house. But I know for some of you, you're trying to figure out like, oh no, can I trust God? You can. You can trust God. He will provide for you. You, you worship God in your tithing. You express gratitude in your tithing. We declare that everything we have is his in tithing. We, we are declaring to the world like we're changed like because of tithing. And I love that he's given us this pathway of expression in tithing. Like, like God, how can I just love you and, and show you that you really are first in my life? And we have this pathway of expression to say, I'm gonna tithe it. I'm gonna return the first tenth to you and I'm gonna honor you with this. And again, we start there and then we go there. Before there was the law, Abraham, his heart was touched by God. And he's like, I wanna do it. In the law, they're doing it. And now in New Testament, I'm like, God, if before the law and in the law that was there, I'm gonna start there and then I'm gonna go on this adventure. I'm gonna go on this adventure to fuel your church and your mission in this world. And I'm gonna see how much more I can give. I wanna bless you and, and, and I'm gonna sweat the details of how much I keep and I wanna keep giving more and more and more. And so in grace today, I'm praying that we'll say, God, we wanna do this. We wanna do this. And, and I'm believing this. I, I believe that the church is filled with people that are excited to hear this message. You're like, I didn't know that. I'm excited. I also believe the church is filled with people that have drifted. They've drifted. And I believe this is a callback to say, do we want to honor God? We want to fuel his church. We want to fuel his mission. People say, where should it go? I believe it comes into the local church, the place where we're getting wisdom, where we're on mission, the thing that he said he was building. And then we fuel that in a, a church that is fueled and moving forward makes a difference in this world. So I'm believing with our next paycheck that we'll decide, Lord, 
All I have is yours. It comes from you. I'm, I'm returning to you. If, if they did it before the law, if they did it in the law, if the New Testament says, well, you love a generous heart, we're going to go up from there and we'll talk about next week with kingdom builders and where we can go. And I mean, the good we're doing around the world is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I'd, I'd love to get excited about that week next week, but I want to stay right here. This is where we sweat out the details. God, do I trust you? God, do I, do I really believe it comes from you? I do. God, do I really believe that my heart has been touched and I want to honor you and say thank you and return that to you and then be on this journey? And I'm praying that our church will mature in this, that people that have slipped away will say, I'm, I'm, I'm back, I'm back, I want to do this. That those that have never done it before will, will do it. And I know, I know, I think about story after story of people like doing their first one terrified and even sometimes angry. I'll never forget one of the guys in our church, he was angry. He said to his wife, well, if we do the 10%, there goes groceries this week. And he's all like inner, like all mad at her and, and he does it and they write their tithe check. And then true story, uh, this family's still in the church and, and he goes to work the very next day and they said, hey, we just want to let you know we're giving you a 10% raise. He's like, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. God's our source. God's our source. We trust him. And I'm asking for us to fuel the mission and vision of his church and say, God, we're going to do this. And we're not stopping there. We're not stopping there, but we're going to sweat this one out. We're going to return that to you and then say, God, how much more can we do? We live with half of the world's wealth that Christians hold in, Amer in the world, Americans. And I'm saying, God, help us. If you ask people in Israel to do, if you ask the Jewish people to do this, in a culture that needed rain to show up so they could stay alive. We don't even think about that anymore. We're so far from the farm. We don't even think about it. And he's like, trust me, trust me, trust me. We can trust him. So I just pray right now, Lord, that we would do that. Lord, that we would be on this adventure over the next three weeks to hear about uh, tithing and stepping out in faith and trusting you and believing you, God, that you will bless the 90% that remains because we trust you and return that 10%. God, I pray that we'd go as New Testament believers way beyond there. We'd, we'd go way beyond. We'd just be on this adventure journey. But God, let us sweat this detail here and be obedient to say we trust you. You're our source. We're on mission. We want you to speak to us about how much more. But God, let us start there recognizing all we have is yours and it comes from you. And you ask us to do this. So God, I just pray that we'd live this way and fuel your church and your mission around the world. And I pray for faith to rise up in your church that they'd be willing to do this and then go way beyond that as New Testament believers. Blessing upon the church, upon the finances, upon every family and every individual as they give and honor you with the tithe. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen.